Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. Today, Brother Thomas Irvin and I pick up where we left off in the first installment of our conversation concerning his family's first year on the field of Uganda. Ask Brother Irvin about some of the day-to-day challenges that commonly put a strain on newly transplanted cross-cultural workers, but we also talk about the weightier considerations of functioning in a very different political and governmental environment than what we're accustomed to as Americans. We finish the conversation discussing how the ministry has taken shape in this first year and what is on the horizon for his laborers among the Ugandan people. This is part two of an interview with missionary to Uganda Thomas Irvin on the first year. Of course, there is the regular, just day-to-day pressure of adjusting to life in a third world country. Now, um, you know, your, your adjustment here may have been a bit different because you, you did have a lot of uh, foreign travel in your background. Sure. You had some exposure, I think, that's maybe less common for a lot of families that are deploying to foreign field. Uh, not so much for Kristen, mm-hmm. uh, although she'd been here. So... Um, what are some of the day-to-day challenges that you've encountered? What are some of the adjustments that your family has had to make in this first year on the foreign field to make mm-hmm. life workable? Mm-hmm. You know, life in Africa is is just it's just hard. That's just how it is. Um, you know, and, and you and I we've talked about it. We trying to reason out why is it that it's so unnecessarily complex? Every, every little detail. I mean, it's, it's everything. It's not just, um, you know, if, if you want to pay your light bill, you can't just go pay your light bill. It's, it's, it's unbelievably difficult. You may not get it paid that day. You may have to come back. You may have to, I mean, it's just, it's just everything is inefficient in the extreme. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you want to go shopping, there's, there is no buy everything in one place. In fact, you're not going to buy half of everything in one place. It's just, it's just not, you just don't have that. Uh, that convenience here um, I, I would say that's the most trying part is that the most basic day-to-day tasks are are unnecessarily difficult every time and <clears throat> it's something you have to get over it, it means it's not going to change it's not going to be fixed it's not going to be made better um, Lord willing over time maybe maybe those things will develop and we have seen Surprisingly, a, a few areas where, you know, like to get a driver's license used to be, you should expect one to two days to go get a driver's license. And uh, recently, the Ugandan government took over uh, the, the issuing of driver's licenses, and, and they put a particular general in charge of it, and he's done an excellent job. It's been great. But that is, a, that is an unbelievable anomaly. Right. That does not right. happen in any, any other way. And uh, so... That's that's probably the most trying part. Um, life here for us is very different in that um, my wife and I, when when we were in the states, we we do everything together. We're always together, and w- whether it's ministry, whether you know church. Um, obviously, we had I, I had I would go to work in the states, and so we didn't do that together. But um, um, 
other than that, we, we always do everything together. And my wife has never been really a homebody. I mean, she's not a busy, but she's not out, you know, roaming around, but she, but with you, yeah, she, she especially likes, over that de- period of deputation, yes. y'all were able to actually do literally everything. Yes, together. absolutely. And, and, and we, we like it that way. Yeah. I, I love my wife. I have, I have an incredibly, I have an incredible wife. And so I, I love to spend time with my family. I love to be with my family. Uh, but here that's, that's, it's not as much of an option, um, you know. Well, it was not like that was dictated to you by the restrictions of the lockdown. That that is part of it. But even beyond that, yeah. it's not always practical to include your family in things that you would have included them in. I have to keep them very sheltered here, and mm-hmm. and I have to to be overly protective of them. And um, so our our home has become kind of a haven for them. And my wife is home. You know, she, she's home 80, 80% of the time. Um, the occasional trip to Kampala, she enjoys that. We'll go and, and it gives her a chance to kind of get out and go to some restaurants. I mean, there, there are really no restaurants in Masaka. You know, just um, there's one restaurant and, and we go to it every Sunday. That's, <laughs> that, that, right. that's it. Um, but, I mean, praise the Lord, we have that. But it's, it's a bit of an outlet. It's a coffee shop, but but they serve some decent food. So... Um, but generally speaking, she's home 80 to 90% of the time. That has been a big adjustment for her, but she has never complained about it. She has never, you know, she, she, my wife is great at seeing this is possibly the unfortunate reality of serving the Lord here. And if that is the unfortunate reality, then I'm just going to accept it and deal with it. And, and she does, she's, she's great at that. So. Um, <clears throat> Bethany doesn't mind. She got a big yard. She runs around. Yeah. Uh, Adrian is there now. Soon they'll be able to, Lord willing, they'll be able to run around together and it'll be, it'll be a little more active for her. So, uh, aside, aside from some of those challenges, um, in transition into this place, is there anything about, uh, the lifestyle here that you just absolutely love that you didn't, that perhaps you didn't anticipate to appreciate the, the, uh, life here, the way that sure. the way that you've uh, uh, adapted to it. You know, it, it's it's still difficult for Americans to grasp the concept of uh, of life overseas in terms of the, the uh, terms of, in terms of relationships. Um, when we go out witnessing here, you can stop somebody who's walking down the street, and you end up in a two or three hour conversation about Jesus Christ. You try that in America, nobody has time. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I don't have time for this. I don't care. You know, whatever the case may be, um, that the, that aspect of third world culture and particularly Uganda is invaluable. If you're a missionary, it's invaluable. Yeah, if you're absolutely. a businessman, I could see how that'd be problematic. But um, <laughs> in terms of missions, the, the fact that you can stop someone and have a valid and reasonable conversation with them. A lengthy, valid, and reasonable conversation with them is is tremendous. Yeah, what a joy! Yeah, what a joy. While I am interested, and and of course these these adjustments are are vastly different from one part of the world to another. Even just what you just described, there are many places that sure. you could deploy missions where you're not going to have those kinds of sure. conversations in a public sphere, um, at least on the first contact. Um, while I'm interested in trying to uh, inform people that that missions is not always romantic, mm-hmm. because sometimes it comes across in that in that fashion yes. in a missions conference. Yes. Say, yes. Uh, with that said, 
And I'm, of course, you know, our family is is we're 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 much earlier on than than your family is, but we're uh, navigating this stuff too. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say that our family is suffering great deprivation oh, from being right. on the mission field. Right. So while while we don't want to make it out to be uh, some kind of romantic thing that it's not, we're having a great time. Yes. We're not. I mean, yes. what do we lack? Right. So the 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 um, the aspect of that that I would point people to is I, I would say you have to adjust your expectations. Having adjusted your expectation, that doesn't mean you have a degraded life in any way. It, it is unbelievably exciting. Sure, it's hard, it's difficult, but so was life in America. I mean, there there were difficulties, there were, there were more conveniences, but in many ways, those conveniences would frustrate me just as much as a lack of conveniences. So, oh yeah, um, it, you have to, you you do have to adjust your thinking. You know, we, we had that that class at Cornerstone, and, and brother brother Dwayne did an excellent job of of introducing people to the idea of adjusting to culture. And that's what you have to do because certain parts of the culture here are going to drive you insane if you let it. Right. It's just how it is. You need, and the sooner you accept it and, and maybe try to find a way to, to, to navigate it, um, overall, our, God has given us unbelievably exciting lives. It, it, is, it is great. It has difficulties. It is hard. It is less convenient. It is not America. <laughs> sure. In fact, I, I, I told you that we had... My mom, my wife's mother and stepfather uh, came to visit, and I asked them, so what is your perception of, of, of life in Africa or in Uganda? And they said, it, it's just hard. But, but it, it's, it's not that it's not enjoyable. Right. They enjoyed their time here. They just recognized, wow, I mean, everything's every little detail. Every little, every little detail is manual. Nothing is automated. And, and that makes a big difference in your day. But I, I don't think that should be conflated with with being miserable, because we're not. I mean, we sure. we we love what the Lord's given us. Uh, so so we're not miserable, but sometimes it would be nice to have some of the conveniences. Sure, but we don't have them. <laughs> well, with that said, though, um, not all of African missions is mud hut thatched roof. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. off grid. Right. Um, and and I do think that there are some people that are specially equipped to to live that kind of yes. life yes. in the jungles of New Guinea yes. or in the bush in Africa uh, but there are tremendous needs in places where you don't have those kinds of living conditions well I, I would even say that uh, that's one of the the, the greatest misunderstandings um, uh, when it comes to when it comes to people's perception of Africa, they see National Geographic, African <laughs> plains and lions and all of that. I have never seen a lion here. Okay. Uh, you you uh, want to make sure when you do see a lion, it's on purpose, right? <laughs> on purpose, and I want it to be in a cage. <laughs> I'll ride a motorcycle, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go play with a lion. Um, so, um, you know, the, the the reality is that that especially for Uganda, you take for Uganda for example. Kampala is a massive city, and it's a city that has as much technology as you as you want, and, it, and it's as primitive as you want. So that that range, that wide range, is there. Um, now you can go out in the bush in Uganda, and it will be what you see on National Geographic. Sure. But you come to Masaka, and it's a town. You know, it's it's a it's a bustling little town. It's not 
there are no lions roaming around, no hyenas, no. Uh, so, so that, I think there, there's a lot of misconception about the wide re- realities of of Africa. Yeah, I, I I point I point that out because I I believe that there are a lot more people that could do this. Yes. Than they probably than, than people probably realize. So so uh, with that said, Kampala, I, I can only think of uh, three or four missionaries in Kampala, which at a base level is a city of 1.2 million people. But during the daytime, there are anywhere between three and five million people in Kampala. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, you tell me three missionaries are going to cover that city. No, sir. You could go to one block of that city and and not leave and. And not evangelize the entire thing for 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 years. So sure. um, there's a great need in in Africa, all over, and all of Africa is not. It's not when David Livingston was here. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a fact for which we're great. You and I are very much thankful. We thank we thank him for what he did, <laughs> yeah. and 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 so we've moved on. One thing, brother Thomas, that I wanted to ask you about uh, about the transition here is maybe a little bit more uh delicate in terms of um in terms of um <laughs> I want to I want to I want to present the question uh discreetly. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you about an a, a conversation that you and I had since you're arriving in Africa. And and of course, you are and you already made reference to the fact that some of the almost totalitarian measures that were taken here in enforcing a lockdown that was on many levels simply irrational mm-hmm. as as has taken place in so many parts of the world yes. or are essentially globally yes um, you saw uh, you saw a strong hand that was that was it was cruel mm-hmm. in some cases mm-hmm. it was it was overbearing um, especially in the midst of the the covid-19 pandemic of course um, coronavirus aside, you're not, I mean, it doesn't take long to figure out that you're not in America anymore in a lot of different ways. Yes. Including the political environment. Yes. Including the atmosphere for what we would like free speech and the yes. expression of uh, political convictions and so forth. So it can be, it can be a strange and vexing experience for a red blooded liberty-loving American to acclimate to this environment where if you did take the liberty to express your political convictions in the way that you feel liberty to do so in America, it could actually threaten your your longevity here. And so I wanted to ask you, how have you kind of adapted to that? Because I think, and I'm I'm asking you this question because I happen to know that you have... (laughs) That, that you and I both probably have some pretty strong opinions about the about these yes. subjects yes. and uh, and they're subjects that we like to interact with right. and think about uh, but you really have to be careful so how has the Lord helped you to adjust just the way that you think about your purpose here and what's appropriate to talk about and what's not appropriate to talk about right uh, it, it is it the whole that 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 entire scenario has probably been probably been good for me, um, you know. I, I have kind of a um, a blunt and direct personality. I, I tend to be very upfront, and uh, at times can maybe lack um, some some healthy political correctness. I guess you could say, 
Tact, um, I think, would be maybe a tact. Word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you say tact, it makes me think of Brother David Brown because he's one of the most tactful men I know. <laughs> uh, but what really bothered me, it got really got under my skin, it was was just the 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 unjust abuse of an entire population, and there's no recourse whatsoever. Yeah, and. Um, you know, you 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 want to say something about it, but but who am I, and what am, what am I going to do? And and then then you have to balance all that with why am I here? And um, it is really hard to come to the conclusion that you're here just to preach the gospel, and you have no business getting involved in people being beaten in the streets. It, it is it is really difficult to to wrestle with that. Um, and, and then, you know, my, my perspective on those things comes from, you know, uh, passages like, like, like in the book of Daniel. You know, those men didn't back down. They didn't fight. They didn't go start a revolution and, and take up arms. Um, but, but they stood before the king and, and did what was right to honor God. So I think our responsibility as Christians is not to join militias and not to fight and not to go after the government. But when we're confronted, uh, I, I believe it is biblical to say that when we are confronted by a government who is intent on requiring us to disobey the word of God, we've got to make a choice to either obey the government or to obey God. The Bible would have us do both as long as what the government is doing is compatible with what God is doing. But when the government departs from what God is doing, we, we can't go both directions. You've got to make a choice. And I believe that that Daniel is a great example of of a man who said, "I'm I'm going to continue praying to the Lord. I, I, I'm I'm not going to st- I'm not trying to defy the government. I'm trying to obey God. But the government has put itself in this position where I now have to I now have to make a choice that may be defiant. Now, where I think it could where, where I think I was struggling is, you know, I. I don't have to consent to those things. I can be against those things. I maybe even can help locally a little bit with those things. But you, but I have certain outlets like a podcast and, and prayer letters and things like that where being too vocal about those things could, could, not, only, could not only ruin my ministry, I could have ended up in prison. Yeah. It, it, it poses real danger. And you got to weigh all those things. You got to balance all those things out. And and uh, you know, some men here, brother Keith, one of them came and talked to me. He, he was he was getting concerned about it because it, it it is a real danger here. I could disappear in the middle of the night. There there are reports that it happens to men in Uganda all the time. I have no objective measure to to, to weigh that, but I was not willing to risk my family having to see me disappear or us suddenly removed from the country because I'm upset at the way the police are treating people or the way the, the, the lockdown is going. So it, it, it's, it's a humbling thing. You've got to humble yourself and, and really focus on what you came here to do. That's, that's the only way in the end to change a society anyways. If you're not here to preach the gospel, then what's going to happen? Amen. We, we, you know, we just talked uh, Sunday morning. You know, the Lord said, if, if the salt has, have lost its savor, well then... You've got to cast out what what you're you're, you're supposed to be providing some a, a service to the people around you as a Christian on the Lord's behalf. And if you're not doing that, it, the whole not only are those people still going to be beaten, they're going to die and go to hell. 
you know, so it's it's a it's a it's a difficult reality to to weigh out because in America you can say all you want. I can blast it on the podcast. I can do sure. I can, you know I have complete liberty and and I can bring attention to it and and maybe even something will change if enough people caught onto it. If people caught onto it here, they're going to look for the source and they're going to get rid of it. Right. Well, you know, listen, I'm I'm deeply concerned by you know conservatives being kicked off Twitter. Sure, but. That's not exactly the same thing as, no, as going missing in the middle of the night no, either. Um, we're not going to unpack this. This is a very complex thing, yes. and, and uh, Christians have been grappling with this for 2,000 years. Yes. Um, but I, I would say that as we grapple with it, we've got to grapple with it as Bible believers yes. that are gospel-motivated, right. not as Americans. <laughs> well, that, that's the key. Firstly. Yeah, that is and the key. I don't know that you and I can even divorce ourselves from our American roots and some things that are in us. And some of those things are consistent with Scripture, right. but they shouldn't be conflated with right. Scripture. Absolutely. And and the, the political realities, this is where it's dangerous to... This is where it becomes dangerous for Christians to get caught up in, in being Republican and conservative. You know, you have homosexuals now in the conservative party. What exactly are we conserving? Right. You know, it, it's sure. while, while they might have some ideals that we agree with, um, the reality is I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Um, one of the things that, is, that has helped me is the current state of America. What, what is there to be so red-blooded about? You, you have transgender people reading books in lingerie to your children. What exactly am I supposed to be so patriotic about? <laughs> that patriotism goes back to, you know, George Washington. It goes back to real men who right. fought real battles on behalf of freedom and liberty. Okay, I, and and I, I love that. That that's I, I'm gung ho about that. Um, but. When I look at the state of our country now, I don't understand what there is to be so patriotic about. Now, the reason I say that is it is take you have to take that into consideration when you go to a foreign country and you try to live here like you lived in America. You can't do that. No, you can't. And and the and this like you were saying, the sooner you can divorce yourself from that and 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 try and adopt a more biblical reality. It, the the men in the Bible lived under far worse totalitarian control than yes, we have ever dealt with. Yes, sir. And they still preach the gospel. They still spread the gospel. They still turn the world upside down. We can live under the worst forms of government and still be Bible-believing Christians. Amen. Uh, we, we've just become comfortable with living under an American government and being Bible-believing Christians. Well, brother, I, you've described the state of America and how that uh, checks some of our patriotism because... Right. Um, what a previous generation uh, defended and fought, and in some case died for, right. uh, that ideal is not as manifest right. in, in the modern America. If there is any uh, spiritual profit to that, and I say this, uh, I say this with, with, a, with a heart for the world, that God has always had an interest in the world, mm -hmm. maybe some of these, maybe unhitching from some of these deeply rooted not not biblical persuasions but patriotic persuasions mm -hmm. if that can help us to to lift up our eyes yes. to the harvest around us uh what motivates us to go to the regions beyond uh there maybe if there's maybe it's easier for some people to leave home behind 
Because you don't have the, the because the utopia, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, the exactly. Republican form of government never offered a utopian. But I'm I'm not sure that that all Americans really understand that. No, the the the, the Republican form, the republic we have, guaranteed everybody an individual right to freedom, and and that is a great that is a great atmosphere for Christianity to flourish. Because you now have the freedom to go out, preach the gospel, and tell people about Jesus Christ. We're not doing that. Sure. We, we love the technology, the convenience, the availability, which right now they're really struggling with. It, you know, they're going to, they're going to, Joe Biden is helping them get a tiny taste of the third world. And, um, a lot of people, it, it, what you're saying, I think is, is, is for many people exactly the case. They have developed a patriotic ideal about a country that no longer exists, and they don't want to leave the country because of the patriotic ideal they developed. And they're not even in that country anymore, uh, you know, atmosphere-wise. It's it's now it's it's moved on. But that ideal can become an idol and it, and it can. idol it can. also. Yeah, and it can compromise our our interests. And it can make someone say, "I, I don't want to leave here because this is where my my heart and my home is." Yeah. Well. What are you going to do when the heart and home turn against you? Our conversation's in heaven, brother. That's, Absolutely. Uh, it, 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 this whole situation, it forced me to th- really think through some of those things. And, and I, uh, you know, I, I've, I've put out some podcasts on some of those things. You and I have talked about it a, a, a little bit. I, I, I no longer legitimately see a, a case for patriotism as a Bible-believing Christian. It's so subjective. And, and now... You know, do I want a safe, uh, free place for my family to live? And, and this is where the, this is the, this is where the, the the confusion comes in. Absolutely. Do I want my do I, do I want the country I'm attached to to have a strong military and be able to enforce that freedom? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but what am I going to do when that same military turns against me because I'm preaching the gospel and and telling people that a woman can't be a preacher or? <laughs> You know, a man is made for a woman, and a woman is made for a man. Yeah, these are these are heavy subjects coming from coming from rural middle, middle Tennessee. I come from a church that is that is filled with men that I think are are patriots in yeah. some manner. Yeah, and that still hold on to a patriotism that uh, something that made America great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if I can use that terminology without it becoming right, right, <laughs> ill associated. Well, and and that's the. That's the difficulty with this is that there there is a there is a from a secular perspective there is a mentality that made America strong, hardworking, resilient, uh, full of character. But the the that 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 ideology, if you will, is gone and yeah. it's being replaced with "I'm a victim. You did sure. it. You owe me. Give me and." One of the things I love about about those men and that culture, though, mm-hmm. in Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. is that they're interested in preserving their way of life yeah. still, yeah. and it's worth preserving. It is, but they are also interested in the world, which is why, which it facilitates you and I being on the continent of Africa. Right. Absolutely, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Amen. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult position to arrive to because. Those are the men that I love and, and that I would fit in with the most and be the most comfortable with. But at the same time, I'm not there. I'm in Africa. Right. And my 
my purpose in life at this point is far broader. It's 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 world missions. It's preaching the gospel. Even if I was there, it'd still be my focus. Amen. Now I, I can. I don't know that I would have seen that as as clearly before. I think there are hints of it in my in my thinking and writing and, and and all of that. But I think now it's a little more clear to me than it was before. Well, brother Irvin, we didn't come to Africa just to survive, acclimate, adapt, etc. We came to we came to minister, mm-hmm. and uh, you've already alluded to the the, the fact that. Uh, there's a harvest here. Mm-hmm. There are people that are that are open and interested in the Word of God, and so we came to get to work in a field. Uh, so lockdowns notwithstanding, why don't you trace for us in review of year one? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did ministry and outreach progress for you here in Mosaka and beyond? Year one was exciting. Um, Despite the lockdowns, there was a lot of progress. Um, I, I, I tried to sit down and think it through, and I hate throwing out numbers like this, but uh, ministry-wide, we, we and, and you take this for what it's worth, uh, we, we probably saw somewhere around 500 people make professions of faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> uh, I struggle with how, you know, like anybody would, with how legitimate all of those were, but still, that means... And this is ministry wide. It's not just me. This is right, me, right. brother Keith, the church. You know, this is this is, you know, I, I want to make sure that's clear as well. And so, but that means five hundred people got the gospel and had an opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ at a minimum. I mean, these are valid one on one or or group conversations that were so personable that that these people had an opportunity to make a profession of faith. That's that's not even include, including. Over and beyond that, the thousands upon thousands of tracts and signs and preaching and other people who didn't make professions of faith, but they still got a witness. That's covering a lot of ground. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's in a worldwide pandemic. I mean, praise the Lord that that's exciting. Also, during that time, I um, I helped Masaka Independent Baptist Church begin street preaching in our town. Um, one of the things I thought was missing from the ministry was uh, a. a an effective uh, witness to the local town. Um, you know, they, they didn't lack witnessing, but it, but it could be it could be better. And so now we've got now every Friday, um, a group of men and women from the church go street preaching, and um, they love it. They do, they it, it, and, and it exists now. I, I got it going, but it exists. I, I have nothing to do with it now other than just attending. Beautiful. Um, That's the goal. The men of the church. Yeah. They they. Now I buy the tracks, I provide them, but they pick them up. They bring the signs, they bring the speaker. Great. They go out. If I'm here, if I'm not here, they're out there preaching the gospel and and, and getting the work done. Um, I also help them develop a, kind of a door to door as as best you can do door to door. You got to experience a little bit of that um, sure. yesterday, uh, right here at the church. What was happening is every. Every Sunday evening, they would meet and they'd go out and preach the gospel. But it was kind of a random, sporadic thing, which is which is great. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But, that, but it, it occurred to me we were not systematically making sure every home around this church got a witness. So we printed out some maps. We we started began blocking it off, and and so we started going door to door to every every home or every business, introducing ourselves, telling them about the church inviting them to the church and Lord willing, if, if they're willing, having a, a good, strong conversation about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and their need for him. So we got that going. And, um, um, 
you stayed really, really busy teaching too. You've done a ton of teaching since you've been yes. here. Yes, um, that has been a major emphasis uh, uh, put here by my brother Keith. Um, he, he he sees the value, uh, obvious, you know, and, that, and that, that that's a natural aspect of the Christian life is 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 teaching and learning, and so. He he has he he has a Bible college that he started here, as well as what he calls a triennial Bible institute. So, um, uh, three times per year, <clears throat> he brings men in, and they get a full semester of Bible teaching in one intense week, uh, eight to ten hours a day, five days. It, it's sure. just it's it's intense. We absolutely love it, <laughs> and uh, so we we've had I've, in a year I've probably participated. In just over a year, and, and four of those now, I believe, um, uh, this last semester, Brother Keith allowed me to teach in the Bible school. So I had about 15 to 20 students, and I taught them the history and preservation of the Bible, which, Lord willing, will transfer into, we are now going to be working on the Luganda Bible. So I, th- I think that about sums it up, but... Um, other than having a baby and and home life and and all of that, that's that's been our that's been yeah. my time here. Uh, other than mango flies, mango uh, flies, cir- uh, table, table saws, <laughs> motorcycles, childbirth, yes, sir, grocery shop, <laughs> <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. It's yeah. it's it, living the life. It's, there, there's nothing like there is nothing Jesus like Christ. It. It, it. It is wonderful. It's great. <clears throat> you know the. We just expect the difficulties now. You just, sure, you know, and then get excited when it's not difficult. So, <laughs> it's other than that, it's, you know, and I say that to what I mean by that is that that, that that's just a given now. We don't we don't even care about that. It is an exciting life. Yeah, we love serving Jesus Christ, and and we're really, we're just getting started. And I've tried to, I've tried to limit myself because I'm really I was supposed to spend the first year learning learning the language, and uh, I did not do a good job of of implementing that and so um so I, I tried to limit myself in some ways because I, I i was learning the language um i had been meeting with with a man uh weekly to to study the the language up until um you know maybe about up until it was time to go to kampala to have the baby so so up until just before april so i i have learned quite a bit about the language but i don't know it well as well as i i had hoped up until this point but as we transition into the bible work that's really, at this point what I need to do is build a vocabulary and that's where I'm really going to be able to to, uh, to to kind of focus in on that and building a vocabulary. I know a lot about the grammar and the structure and all of that at this point and uh, now I just need to build a vocabulary so that, that'll be that'll be Bible translation and building a vocabulary that's that's the next two main goals. Uh, that Bible translation project that's just, that's enormous that is so it's, it's almost overwhelming. To think of the task, it, so uh, I hope the Lord will really, really get involved. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, praise the Lord. I, I, I well, we will absolutely need it. It's we have some benefits and we we have some positives and negatives. The the the, the negative is they don't have a Bible here, a reliable Bible. But the positive is, um, you know, the the original missionaries who came here, Alexander McKay, and then the follow-on to that was was a man named Pilkington. Um, that they they. they did the original translation of this Bible and they, the, the Pilkington, the man that did the majority of it used the revised version, the King James version and a, a French Bible. Now what that means for us is that potentially 80% of the work is done for us. 
the revised version alone, 80% of it is still the King James Bible. There's about 20% that is very problematic and, and, and that is damaged goods that has to be fixed. And so our approach to it here, is, and, and in fact, the, what's interesting and possibly contrary to the typical, to typical ideas regarding translation work, um, Pilkington translated from the English to, the, to Luganda. He didn't go back to Greek and Hebrew, and I, and, and I don't believe that that is even necessary. Um, I, I think if if I can, if we can as best as possible produce in Luganda what we have in the King James Bible in English, I don't see the problem with that. And um, the the good thing for us is that eighty percent of that is already done. We've just, the majority of it will be editing, bringing the grammar up to to modern grammar. Some of the spelling is going to be different. For some reason, in the 1896 Luganda Bible, for Jesus, they used the word Isa um, instead mm-hmm. of instead of Yesu. Um, but there was a there was a major Islamic influence, and and they also relied heavily on the 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 old Swahili Bible, and uh, it has an Arabic influence. You know, Swahili has an Arabic influence, so they're they're you know they may that may account for their reason for doing that, um, and and there may not have been a word. For Jesus at that time, they they probably had to invent one. Um, they had no idea who Jesus was or or, or yeah, any of that. Sorry, from scratch. Um, so for us, I, my guess is eighty percent of the work is already done for us. We just got to edit it and then correct where the revised version departed from the King James Bible. And Lord willing, I'll be able to hand them an accurate Bible in their language. Amen. That's the the aim. Yeah, I know you've got a plan. I know you've got some help here, and. Uh, even got a uh, some some goals and some objectives in terms of timeline. It's a, it's a it's a daunting task, but yes. the the potential is uh, it's a needful task, and the potential is great. Yeah. So excited for you! I'm Amen. so thankful that uh, your family's here. I'm thankful that you've done dis- despite some some bumps in the road, or some or some motorcycles in the road, <laughs> or, et cetera. It uh, seems like. Seems like your family has adjusted beautifully, oh, yeah. and that yeah. you're enjoying what God's given you to do here. The Lord's been good to us, and uh, I'm I'm sure excited to see you here. Never thought that would be yeah. happening. Um, you know, not not that we wouldn't desire that. It's just you're you're now in Zimbabwe, which is exciting, not too far away. Um, and and we had this opportunity to get together. I, I'm really excited to get. And, and we talked about this before as well. It's it's so exciting when when you know. When, you, when multiple aspects of your world get to kind of come together and, and see each other, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a blessing. Amen. Well, I appreciate you taking the time for the conversation, brother. Amen, brother. Thank you again for tuning in today. I hope that you will pray for the Urbans as they labor in East Africa and for the entire team that is taking up the God-sized task of translating and updating the Lugandan Bible. If you enjoyed this conversation, you may be interested to go back and check out my 2020 interview with Brother Urban on the subject of deputation. You can also check out Brother Urban's podcast and keep up with his prayer letters by accessing his website, plenteousredemption.com. As for Great Commission Conversations, you can subscribe to this program on a variety of different podcasting apps. And if it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to invite others to tune in. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.